I'm pretty good. How you How's doing? It? Yeah, very good, mate. How how's things going at how's things going in your life, Dan? Yeah, pretty good. Been working from home for what, two weeks now, so started yeah. haven't dusted off the board games yet, but um you got some board yeah. games ready to go, have you? What have you got? You got some scotch there? What do you got? Some whiskey? What do you got? Oh, just water at the moment. I was a little bit disappointed. I was hoping I'd see see a bit of a shot of uh, <sighs> something there. <laughs> I could pour some Johnny Walker. I have some Johnny Walker available. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, welcome along to the podcast, uh, episode ninety six from the Valley Podcast. Uh, yesterday, Den Williams, a good friend of mine, we, got, we share a lot of interests. Uh, he's a business analyst. Uh, working at ACU, correct? Yeah, Australian Catholic Uni. Yeah, Australian Catholic Uni. So, and that's, uh, is that keeping you fairly busy at the moment, mate? <laughs> working for yeah, I, yeah, I work on a project, I work on um, a project around class selection. So, there's plenty of us, uh, plenty for us to do as we've been we're sort of in the middle of a medium to large project. So, uh, there's plenty to do. Uh, and a lot of the, all the teams are pretty much working from home and we've transitioned, they're all teaching to online. So just that in itself for like some teams is a massive undertaking to take like their timetable and, and put online. So, mm. um, you yeah, know, it's interesting because we'll probably be looking at another online semester and mm. a lot of the work I do is kind of impacted by that, I guess. So, um, yeah, so that'll be really interesting. Prior to the last few weeks, you've been working at home uh, from home before, or not really? No, I've never really worked from home. I I probably I did wouldn't say I resisted it, but I, I was keen to keep in the office as long as possible. So some teams actually rotated, did working from home on a trial. Mm. Uh, so like half the team in for or a team in for half a week at a time on a roster basis. So you know at the end. Yep there's about 40 people on my floor. So there was getting to be about eight to 12 people in on any given day, which was kind of nice, mm -hmm. but um, I've only been doing the work from home for about two weeks now. Yeah. And how have you found it? Really good. I try to keep it nice and varied. Like I've, we've just got two workstations set up here. So um, we have one study area. We've got a, I've got a spare one in Leo's room um, if I need it but I sort of float around with the laptop in different rooms just to, just to keep it a bit kind of interesting because I don't want to stay glued to the one spot because I do mm. miss having like that sit to stand desk that I have in the office. So that's, mm. you know, that's something I really miss having actually. Cool, man. So usually uh, some of those things I sort of discuss at the start of the um, podcast, I guess, whereabouts, where, where was early life for you? Where were you born? Were you sort of uh, born in this sort of area or did you come from somewhere else? Yeah, born in Brisbane. Pretty much yep. lived just about my, all my life here. Um, yep. So, yeah, nothing too exciting there. So, um, born in the Redlands. Um, area. Yeah, yep. that's sort of a nice place to um, live near, near Wellington Point there. So, that was always nice to grow up there. You know, having like a beach close by and all those nice little, you know, nice little community um, aspect. That was, you know, awesome place to live, to grow yeah. up, yeah. Cool, and what was this, and what I, were, as a youngster, what sort of sports did you get into? What, did, what sort of sports did you like sort of playing and uh, following when you were young? Oh, basketball, definitely. That was what I most enjoyed playing and would still love to today, actually. Um, so hopefully when Leo is old enough, he'll want to play a little basketball as well. Cool, I, um, I played AFL very poorly, um, but did love athletics and, yep. and that kind of stuff. So a volleyball as well. So, volleyball. you know, okay. so, you know, love those team sports. Yeah. Team sports are cool. That's for sure, man. And as a basketball, as a, when you're growing up, any particular position, like sort of playing in the guard positions or what were you playing? Um, I was forward and occasional centre. So it would, if I was the tallest person playing at the time, I'd be centre, of course. But um, so for school, um, it'd be rotating between those positions. But so I think more of a small forward position when I played like with Redlands and that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, I used to play basketball growing up. It's, it's certainly a fun sport. I loved it. I mean, I played soccer for a little while. Um, it was soccer and then probably basketball and little athletics in between. That's, that's what I sort of got into. But uh, basketball, even to this day, I still love watching it. Still, like yourself, I mean, I follow the NBA and uh, it's, it's quite, quite uh, great to watch. But uh, just over a month ago, we had the, all of a sudden, just a, it sort of hit us like a smack in the face, really. Um, two guys contracted uh, the coronavirus and all of a sudden the NBA is indefinitely suspended. Um, Rudy Gobert, uh, the French center for Utah. Um, and then it all just ceased. So who knows when it's going to come back. But I know you sort of like following it. Yeah, and, and this was my year in the fantasy, so I, I kind of got a bit shafted there. I, I was looking really good for a for a top hundred finish on Sports Deck, but uh, uh, I have to wait till next year. But um, yeah, they moved pretty quick to to um, shut everything down, and, and and well, good thing they did, particularly in the United States, um, um, because it, yeah, it's really tough. Imagine if things kept rolling on, how bad it would be. You know, mm. it would be so much worse than it is now and it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's, I'm surprised how bad it is in the States, but, you know, it, it is what it is. And they, they've, uh, especially in New York in particular, take the New York numbers out, it's probably a fairly normal country, but New York yeah. has sort of really sort of made the, the stats uh, the worst in, in the world uh, when you're looking at the infections and people that have even died. So it, it's, um, it's pretty crazy there in, in uh, the States uh, when it comes to yeah. that. But, um yeah, no, and they have more people in a state sometimes than we have in the whole country. So, it, yeah, that we have a bit of natural social distance, being Australian. So, yeah, um, yeah. So, growing up, what was your first job uh, as a teenager? What was the first? Can you remember what your first job was? Uh, first job uh, was I did work at the supermarket, but uh, f- absolute first job I worked for my neighbour. So we lived on a five acre property in Wellington point and my neighbor had a worm farm and I used to go work for him. Yeah. So it was, yeah, pretty random, but uh, we just used to go out and have to, you know, collect all the fertilizer to make up the boxes. And so he'd grow them and sell them to, I don't know who we'd sell them to, but he used to like make up boxes that um, people with nurseries or whatever would probably buy and people would buy for their gardens as well to keep their gardens healthy. So that was like a pretty cruisy job. So you're just tending them, feeding them, et cetera. Um, and after that, I worked in, uh, in Woolworths. Yeah, Woolworths. Okay. So yeah. <clears throat> spent many years at Woolies or? Um, that was just sort of a bit more of a serious job for I think uh, just the last few years of senior high school. So I think it was two years. Yeah. Yeah. Is it true that you worked for that pancake place in the city? There's a rumor that I heard that you worked there. Oh yeah. That was after, (laughs) that was a few, few years after that. So I went and um, I was a glazier for a couple of years, did my apprenticeship and then worked in restaurants. So yeah, that pancake manor. Yeah. Less less said about that, the better, maybe. But uh, <laughs> made so made so many great friends there, and that's really you know um, for me where I guess in some ways putting the work aside, where a lot of life began. Like I, I met Beth there, so you know really yep. great times, and uh, you know some great friends which we still hang out with to this day. That's no, cool, man. But uh, yeah, so the, a, a glazier as well. So you, you did your apprenticeship as a glazier. What, what, can you remember? Did you enjoy that? What was that like? Um, probably wasn't for me. I did enjoy it though. That That's the thing. It's just not a work I'm probably naturally suited to. Um, so I got a few apprenticeship awards. So mm. yeah, I made the best of it. it and again, oh, that's good. Uh, it, yeah. And oh, thanks. And now uh, you kind of learn to you know, with apprenticeships, I think for me, the real value is you kind of learn your place and how to develop within a work space, you know, so, you know, even if it's not the job you want to do, it can springboard you into so many different areas. So, and, and, and you do learn a lot of skills about being patient about doing something well and appreciating what you do. So I think, you know, that sort of, 
you know, it led to a lot of other interests, I would actually say, because when I worked in glazing, I worked a lot with stained glass windows, which had a bit of an artistic bent. So yeah, it was not just the kind of, um, you know, supermarket front shop, um, shop front kind of stuff that it does, you know, stimulate your creativity in all these different areas. So that's, you know, that fed into me wanting to, to draw and increase my skills there. And, you know, so it actually fanned a lot of interests. No, definitely. It's, it, I mean, every, every, everything you do in life shapes you one way or another, whether it's for a short time, a long time, there's always something you'll learn out of something. But Absolutely. Uh, I mean, when I was, I was pretty young, probably when in about 1988 and 89, that's when I went, that's about when I first started listening to music. And uh, I remember back in the late eighties and, and what the sort of music was like back then. And, uh, and that was sort of my first, um, I guess, experience in, in listening to music. And I'll never forget those sort of years. Uh, did you sort of get into listening to music when you were that young as well? Or Let's see. For me, I think I was a little bit older. Um, mm. And maybe I just didn't like the music around at the time. Um, oh. Oh, just trying to think about when. Maybe it was the early 90s early yeah. to mid nineties. And then it yeah. really just that interest came on strong because there was just so many things I really loved. So maybe for me, Seattle was in the music scene when I started to listen more and pay attention more and think that music was more relevant in my life mm. because, you know, a lot of the eighties music to be, you know, maybe I was too young at the time to really process it. I don't know, but I don't have fond memories as fond memories of that as say, you know, mm. yeah. Like listening to Soundgarden and then having all these great Australian indie acts come in over, over mm. time. And, you know, mm. there just seemed to be a lot of um, interesting music come out in that decade. And mm. even through the electronic music, chemical brothers yeah, you know, just had so many interesting things you know, it was a very, when I was trying to make a playlist of the 90s, like my f- favourite hundred songs for that decade, it was such a polarising decade, like one song totally different to the next. And that's what I like. It, the music was definitely so different. Yeah, no, so many, so many different bands that, you know, the, the, in the 90s, that's, that's when it sort of came alive, really. Um, all the different bands that were there. I mean, it started off at the start of the decade with Nirvana. You had Nirvana and Kurt Cobain, and uh, they made a huge splash. And uh, and then it sort of went to you know bands like Offspring and the Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, you know um, Green Day, um, and then Powderfinger. What do you think? What do you think of Powderfinger? Sort of a group, you know, local here. Oh yeah, Powderfinger. They saw them a, a few times. Mm. So good. Um, just. I think it was their second album, Double Allergic. That's always, you know, been a favourite for a long time. And, um, you know, so much respect. And, you know, even even at the time, Silverchair as well. Oh, yeah. Um, you don't, you can't forget Silverchair, man. That's yeah. that's revolutionary. Daniel Johns was, was one of a kind that uh, tomorrow is just a, such an anthem as far as Australia is concerned. Mm. It's, it's, just a, it's just a huge anthem. So... He's a bit um, underappreciated today, I think, Daniel yeah, Johnson. Yeah, well, the thing is, people forget about the guy, I think, too much. I mean, he needs to probably come back and do something. But yeah, uh, Daniel Johns just had so many, how many, they had so many big hits, Silverchair. And, uh, mm. you know, they sort of, uh, they did quite a lot at the end of the day. And uh, they, people forget how big they were when it comes to Australian music. Yeah, and like the the album I re- he released, I think it was 2015, Talk, is just one of my favourite albums of That's this current one, decade. Yeah, lot, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he, he never made the Hottest 100 that year, but no. it's a fine album, fine album. I did like some of those songs on that album, and I'll, I'll never forget um, with Daniel Johns, one thing that sticks out to me about six or seven years ago, whenever it was, maybe six years ago, they had that uh, show, that Triple that triple J show where um, it was in Sydney. I'm just trying to think where where it was. Was it Luna Park? Um, they had this one, one soft special show. They didn't have like one of those um, uh, 
one night stands. I had this instead, and and Daniel Johns sung um, Nirvana's "Smells Like Teen Spirit," and uh, it was just amazing how he did that. If you ever, ever hadn't seen that, that was. I yeah. think I heard that on live, like a uh, Triple J playing that after the fact. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, no, it's some great memories there. I mean, music has certainly been a big part of my life, and it's been a big part of your life, and. Uh, Certainly, a lot of the genres that we sort of like can be, as of today, are fairly. There's a lot of crossover there, um, but uh, it all started in the '90s with a lot of great, great bands there. And uh, I guess even even recently, we've sort of seen seen a few good, uh, promising artists together. Um, you know, we've we've been to see Rufus together, and we've also um, uh, G Flip and Tones and I. I think that was a few in just in the last 12 months. So. Some uh, some quite memorable um, acts that we've seen there, Den. And uh, I yeah, guess absolutely. What about what? What do you think is the most impressive thing that you've seen live when it comes to music? What, what is the most thing that sticks out the most? Ah, uh, well, that sometimes when I I have a box of all the old stubs around, and oh, really? Like from everything I've ever seen i've always tried to buy the ticket and and put them in a little envelope and every now and again when you move house or do something you find this and you just can't believe you know what you've seen um because yeah i used to go to see bands every every week or two at a certain time in my life but trying to think about what was totally amazing ah Gorillas is definitely up there. That was something that was a show that was, you know, out of this world. I'll, I'll try put it to the, you know, that big stadium experience. I think Gorillas is number one. Where, where, where were they playing? Where were they playing? That was Boondall. And, you know, the, yep. so, you know, the, the multimedia element they brought to it, you know, having all their stories of their characters and everything. And I just thought that was, you know, such an interesting production and, and really cool. But sometimes trying to remember, I'd say when the Chelsea was running, there were some of my favorite shows that I ever saw there. And they would they could be small bands that you know people would probably not know of anymore, not remember. Um but uh yeah there was some cool stuff going on there. I think one of my favorites of the kind of indie to see live was not from there. They had a really interesting metal sound with a lot of things going on. So, and I, I probably saw them about 10 times or, or at least a dozen times in a couple of years while they were going around. So they were really, you know, very memorable to me. Yeah, man. I, I don't know if I, I don't know what I could say as my favorite band, favorite sort of thing of all time. I've been to a couple of festivals, um, one of my favourite bands of all time is definitely the Wombats. I love the Wombats. I've seen them a few times. Um, so yeah, there's definitely they they sort of know how to really put a a, a show on. Hilltop Woods is definitely one. Of, have you ever seen them, Den? Hilltop Woods? No, no, I haven't. Like, I'd yeah, be I'd probably be roundly widely criticised for not seeing them. Well, so I've probably had many opportunities. Yeah, well, I think it was only last year I saw them, but um, they just—they're really, really good. The Wombats, um, these guys put on really good live shows, and yeah, they're just amazing. I mean, I like how the Wombats really support Australia. I mean, as far as Triple J making sure that the songs come out, that, that sort of really, you know, were, were supportive. So the Wombats certainly stick out to me. I mean, my wife Fiona sort of got me onto them, but um, I sort of, yeah, once you hear the sound and you like the sound, you gotta. You just keep loving the sound and um, that that particular one uh, and same with Hilltop Hoods. It's, you know, hip hop something you've got to appreciate. And I don't like all types of hip hop. There's some that I like and some that I don't like, but hip hop, Hilltop Hoods is definitely, definitely a, a show in itself. Um, that, that is for sure. I mean, I do like Illy, but, do I, but I like, you know, it's Hilltop Hoods is just what they do. They're just fantastic. Um, electronic uh, genres. I mean, Rufus, we've seen, couple of times that's that's quite nice they've got lots of different types of things they can play um have you yeah seen, they were really great I've, I've never seen flume live have you seen flume seen no flume? i would love to 
Yeah, and um, Nadi. I mean, I haven't really got round to Flume. That's probably one I, I, I should have seen. Um, seen Chemical Brothers a few times now. Love them. I know. One you of your favourites. Yeah, Porter Robinson on for yep. electronic dance music. Yep. He was phenomenal for the price ticket. I mean, when Language played at at the River Stage, and you know they they do that thing where they explode the ticker tape, and you know as part of the encore, that that's probably a for the single moment that single great song. That's it for me. Mm. And that was something that you know when I was listening to the hottest one hundred of the decade. I was shocked that that song just didn't get in there. It's it's so. I mean, let's go to the hottest one hundred of the decade. That was such an interesting uh, experience recently. I mean, we sort of you have a fairly good idea which songs are going to make the hottest one hundred, and then and what what what's popular. I mean, that's fairly, and we've been around long enough that that's fairly not so. It's easy to predict a lot of the time. It's easy to predict how popular songs are as well. But with something like the hottest one hundred of the decade. There's so many good songs that people just would have been oblivious to when it comes to the hottest 100 of the decade. And you get these weird songs that come in and you're saying, who's, you know, who's voting for all this sort of stuff? I mean, there's a lot of Kanye West we heard uh, yeah. in the countdown um, and people love Kanye West. And there were about four or five Kanye West songs in the top couple of hundred that had never been in the hottest 100 before. Um, you know, there was Niggas in Paris. I don't think that was ever made it. That was like in the top 25 or something. It's It was quite crazy. That people were sort of enjoying watching all these songs. I mean, uh, there's obviously the story of Inner Bloom. Inner Bloom obviously originally didn't make the hottest 100, but came number in the top six or seven, didn't it? I think just... Yeah, I thought it did make the hottest 100, but I was clearly mistaken. I, I think, think the, the, I think the What's So Not remix did. I think the What's So Not remix was in the top 30 or top 40, but I'm pretty sure. But um, the original song, I don't know, it was for some reason or another, there were other things that were going on and it was just sometimes things get released at the wrong time. Yeah, I actually do agree with you there. I think the release date of, of um, Bloom meant that a crop of songs were in from one year and a crop were in from the next year. Yeah. So... It, it might've just been one of those things in terms of timing missed yeah. out. And Definitely, it's a nine yeah. minute epic, you, you know, it's their version of like private psychedelic reel. You know, maybe those songs aren't appreciated fully at the time. They need that, you know, they need years to develop and really set and you, you know, get into your mindset. Yeah. Definitely a great song. And uh, whether it's my favorite song of theirs, I don't know, but it's definitely very, it's, it's that anthem that, that, that it's all about. So I guess were you surprised about Taming Parlor winning the hottest 100 of the decade with Less I Know the Better? I certainly was surprised, but I, think, uh, I knew I knew that song was going to do well, but to win um, because they were, I think, what third in the year of their song, third or fourth. Um, oh, yeah. I and thought, fifth, yeah. I honestly thought Flume was going to bolt in um, with a, yeah. you know, yeah, be like with him. like with space in the middle between the next person because Flume is like super popular, but I'm glad for Tame Impala. I love them. Um, mm. So disappointed that their show, of course, I'll, is postponed till the Have end of the year. Have you seen them live yet, Don, or not, Dan? No, no, I haven't. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a great show. I probably have my chances, but... Well, they've obviously got a few more songs to add. They've got another album to add since I last saw them. So um, I saw them after Currents had come out. Uh, at the river stage, and uh, me and Fiona went along three years ago, whenever it was. Um, yeah, the the new album's good. I give it, it's good. I give it a seven or an eight, though. I'm not quite loving it the way I, I love Lonerism or or Currents. I do like that song Lost in Yesterday. I think that's if that was, I think that's released this year too. So I think that's got a, a ch some sort of chance of doing something. Just based oh, on yeah, it'll do well. Just based on their popularity and based on that being mm. probably, probably the best song on the album, I think. I don't know. What do you, what do you think the best song? There's, a, there's about five um, songs I really like. Um, the one that uh, got in the top 20 last year, I quite like. Um, Borderline or? Uh, it Might Be Time. Well, I think Borderline uh, did the best from memory. Yeah. I really love It Might Be Time. I think the same yeah. one, uh, the track eight, uh, sometimes the names don't stick with me for quite a while, but I love track eight. Yeah. Uh, it might be the one you're thinking of. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, man. So, um, so we, 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 we could talk about, uh, we could certainly talk about uh, music all day, couldn't we? Really? We, could, yeah. we, could, we could spend fucking hours talking about our favourite tracks and our favourite music songs. But is any other, before we sort of leave this topic, any other music sort of acts that you want to sort of uh, make sure that, uh, that we don't forget? Oh, well, I think, well, I haven't even mentioned Lana Del Rey, which is a, a surprise, <laughs> but, um, you know, love seeing her. So you've seen, it, you've, think, seen a, you've seen a live, tell me, tell me about that experience. That was, is she one of the best ones live that you've seen? That was immense um, and incredible because I think in terms of how prolific she is for being an artist that just came along really in this decade, having such a strong body of work that's performed so well. I mean, it's one of those ones that I'll remember for a long time. And it's, she's one of those artists as well that I think there's a group of artists you have that you can go, okay, if they tour, there's no manner of money that they, it costs, I'm going. So she's up there with somebody I haven't seen Daft Punk like oh. if they tour, yeah. You know, for me, even Roixop makes that, you know, and that would be—they're a bit out of left field, actually. But I would love to see them. So I think maybe the ones that I want to see next are, you know, um, it, Bjork. If Bjork toured, uh, I would fly. I would, you know, do anything to to see her play. Yeah, she's amazing. Mm. Is there anything? I guess is there anything on Triple J more recently that that you've heard that you think is going to be a big hit that aren't that popular oh. at the moment? Or See, not? with this is the whole problem with working from home. This is one of those, you know, the thing you miss about working from home is you don't get that little commute for me where you listen to like just twenty five minutes of great music before you get into the office. So I'm probably not. Um, I've probably got a short list somewhere of what I'm thinking of voting for already this year, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take advice from you on that. Actually, yeah. you'll have to tell me what's good because I know well, you're, it's, it's you've still, got, a, you've know, got it, your it, finger it, on the pulse. It just seems, it seems to be pretty early in the year still. Um, but I just, there's this, this artist that came out uh, in the last well, week that I heard, um, that was worth listening to. She thinks they think that she's going to be the next Lord. I don't know if you heard this. Uh, oh, Gracie, Gracie, somebody. I, I think I do agree. I did hear that recently and I quite liked it. I think it's Gracie Abrams. I think I'm pretty sure she's about 20 or 20. Is it her? I think so. Yeah. Anyway, they, they said the same guy that sort of uh, looked after um, looked after uh, Lord and, and Broods, you know, Joel Little. Um, oh, okay. Because he, he's done really, this guy's, he's fucking smart, this Joel Little guy. He's uh, producing good. Just pulled up my 2020 playlist that I've started. Yeah. Um, Torrin Foot, loving it. Um, but Jaguar Jones is my dark horse pick this year. I. I think that's Jaguar Jones will do well. And she's one that I really want to see. Yep. Mm. Uh, And I'll add that one you noted onto my list. Uh, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So anyway, big NBA followers. And we obviously, um, it was obviously a shame that we've had the, the um, sports world sort of, there's no sport at the moment. Um, not sure if you heard, but uh, the UFC were nearly going to have a card next or this weekend, um, but basically they got overridden. <laughs> they went to all this effort to um, basically try to put on this fantastic card, and it would have been great to watch whether, whether there were fans watching in attendance or not. They Dana went to all this effort, and then basically he got overridden by the higher ups. So it was basically what happened is the California governor got on the phone to um, uh, to Disney executives and ESPN, because ESPN actually, they, um, they they basically obviously film all the UFC shows. And it was, that was the directive came from that high up to say, you can't do what you're doing, even though 
he made all these plans and efforts and went to a, like a tribal location where they were allowed to do what they were allowed to do. And uh, anyway, we're going to have to wait probably at least a couple of months, I reckon, before we get any sport on TV. Oh, yeah. Um, and oh, it's, a, it's a great time for some to be watching all those classic, like I yeah. think the sports that have planned well have got, have got heaps of classic things that they're putting on YouTube or, or putting on TV and, and streaming right now. Like I know formula one's been putting on a few, to put on a few a, good are, races. You, you're a bit of a formula one fan, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really, I'm, I'm long suffering as I'm not a Mercedes fan. So it's been quite a few years of, uh, I guess, you know, drought. Um, but, uh, yeah. I guess, you know, having a pause might be good for the other teams to catch up. Like, fingers crossed. So you like your Formula One, but you, you're not a fan of supercars, are you? You don't like the, the you don't run into that sort of stuff. Uh, I could watch it, but really it's, it's more Formula One for me in, in yeah. terms of motorsport and, and occasionally MotoGP. Um, yeah. Just because when I grow up, that was kind of the most exciting thing. It's a shame that for Formula One, it's not quite at that level anymore where... You know, back when you're watching uh, when I was young, like, you know, any one of five teams could have won a race. Now it's sort of mm. the top one or two. So it's a bit more of a procession now. But, mm. um, you know, when yeah. they change the rules, it'll be... So going, going back to NBA, were you, were you a big fan of uh, Jordan in the 90s? Did you follow the Chicago Bulls or were you, who did you follow back in the 90s? I was more of a Detroit Pistons, Isaiah Thomas fan. So that's probably... I love it. That's good. uh, That's probably quite the opposite there, that they're always good rivals. But, you know, there was was, um, Boston Celtics, Larry Bird and and Magic with the Lakers. So it was really an interesting time for sports personalities. Is that, you know, to me, that kind of era gave birth to those mega sports personalities that that we know... Mm. One thing, one thing that I'll never forget was when when Chicago Bulls finally beat the Detroit Pistons in 1991, and they swept them in the in the conference finals of the playoffs. All the Pistons walked off the court, and none of them shook hands with any of the Chicago Bull players. Can you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. Not what good sportsmanship, it, but no. What, what do you think they but did? Good that? rivalry. Yeah, it was a good rivalry. <laughs> That's something you never hear about again again since then, but that they decided that's what they were going to do walk off and i I see that like booing for the winners sometimes in the that's more of a formula one thing though, so that's never nice, but you know um intense rivalries bring that out, you know I'm sure the soccer fans can appreciate those kind of things mm. well so what about in the I guess once the Michael Jordan era was over, I mean, who did you follow uh, in the NBA sort of in that next decade after that? I mean, where, where they had, where you had sort of Kobe and Shaq, where you had the Spurs and you had, and you had uh, the, you know, Boston coming through in the, in the late part of the decade. And that, so who did you still follow the NBA back in that decade? And- um, not as much. So, yeah, I've really got into it again more recently. Um, yeah. Like, um, I think it was on tele. Like, I think it would have went off free to wear at some point in that era, or maybe it just became harder to watch. Um, and yeah. when I was working in restaurants, I worked all crazy hours. So, mm. you know, there's a chunk of of kind of life there where all those things you know, got kind of put to the wayside because it, it just, you know, I guess as music kind of was, was more of an interest, something else had to, to give. Um, yeah. But, you know, always a sentimental exactly. fan of, of Detroit. So I would have, you know, I'd still stay being a fan of them at the moment, yeah. I mean, the, the, the Pistons did win a championship back then too. They had, I don't know, if, can you remember Ben Wallace and you had uh, Rashid Wallace, all those guys? I vaguely remember Ben yeah. Wallace, but mm. um, yeah. yeah. Rightio. So another thing we can talk about is uh, one thing you hosted about just over a year or so ago was uh, a whiskey tasting. Oh yeah, and, uh, yeah. And have, that was such a lot. That was a lot of fun, man. And you obviously know your whiskies. And you, where did your interest start in whiskies? I mean, how long have you sort of had an interest in getting 
all of that sort of stuff. That's well, I've always been partial to, you know, scotch and dry when I was younger, but um, I think working with different people, like it's sort of something that, okay, it was just sort of for me for so many years, just something to mix with ginger ale or whatever, but working with different people. And I think it, and our best granddad loves a good Laphroaig smoky whiskey. So, you know, that kind of sparked a little bit of interest, like, okay, people drink that neat. Okay. That's good. So, you know, it hasn't been too many years, um, but since I've been working at ACU, I've come as well to know if, one guy who's a real enthusiast who, you know, puts me to shame, like would, you know, the kind of people that go to Scotland on tours and, and all that kind of stuff and know all of the history of the distilleries. So listening to them, they, they make a really good case for getting into it more and, you know, you know, discovering whiskey, because when you think about it, it's like so many years of effort going into making something. So it's really nice to appreciate. So when you can think about it from kind of that perspective, like it's, you know, all the history that a, a distillery goes through to, you know, and all the experimentations to produce this. And then the way people in, in different countries, like, like Australia, our distilleries pick it up and, and do interesting things in two or three years, like distilleries in Melbourne, because they can do it with the climate. I mean, it. There's so many interesting ways that it goes. So, it's sort of something that you know that other people have shared with me, and that now I enjoy sharing with others. Like when I can get a a nice bottle, it you know it's something that I really enjoy sharing. Like uh, when we opened the Octomore, I think in oh. January of this year, that was that was insane. That was insane, man. That was uh, I remember that. Oh, it was smoky. Was it really like a, yeah. It was yeah, very smoky. Um, high, um, there's, there's a rating that they have in parts per million, but it's really high. Um, and it was a nice 60% um, whiskey. So, you know, very good for um, just those little shots and, and really, mm. you know, a different kind of smoky as well. Something that's, like charred meat and you know funky cheese yeah. it's a really interesting um interesting flavor there and and you know so if you take that of when you're like a teenager like when you or or say early 20s more more relevantly when you're first thinking about drinks that kind of thing was like you wouldn't even know what you're having you know you'd but now yeah, you can exactly. kind of sit back and appreciate it, share it with friends. It's like absolutely fantastic. And before lockdown, we had a little bit with James as well, just to finish off that oh. bottle. So oh. it did last a couple of months. Oh. And well, they don't live too um, far away, do they? They just up the road somewhere. Yeah, we won't be able to see them for a while. But uh, yeah, I'll have to think about what what to open next time. Actually, a virtual whiskey tasting or a Zoom whiskey mate, tasting would mate, really be that. interesting. Mate, I'll, I'll, so, attend, I'll attend any sort of uh, some virtual uh, whiskey tasting. You, you come up with some ideas as to how we can do that. Um, everyone's got to buy. The problem is if you've got nine bottles, you not everyone's going to have nine bottles to taste. <laughs> yeah, well, so I don't I'm know probably you, fine for that, but... Um, um, I know you asked, but yeah, I think yeah, I think it's a great idea nonetheless. It's just a way of how you go about it um, and that sort of thing. That's for sure. Um, Probably the, something achievable we can work on. So oh, I'll try work on that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what so what about? Um, I know that you're you've got an appreciation there of whiskey. What about uh, craft beer? Uh, uh, cra to me, craft beer is the only beer. Yeah, of course. Uh, what is, what's your favourite craft beer in in our area? I, I think uh, New um, New Set Brewing Co is definitely high up there. Yeah. But maybe Green Beacon's just that oh, really? touch you ahead. Maybe, you can walk to both those places, man. Yeah. <laughs> but have you come across this one? Have you come across uh, Soapbox Beer? I've heard of it, not had it. Um, no, give us a quick review. 
Yeah, so Soapbox Beer, where it is, um, Gipps Street, which is right near uh, Chinatown in the valley. Okay, so they've got like a shop front there. Um, they've got about, well, there's, there's at least five or six or more flavours. There's heaps of, there's a good, um, they've got some good uh, IPAs and, you know, some uh, some Indian pale ales, some pale ale, um, yeah, some Kolsch. But soapbox beer, what they, what I, what I, I just saw them. I've, I've been to their place before, and um, it's quite a good little establishment. These guys haven't been around too long, but I like the way they're branding it. Um, so yeah, I actually got uh, a carton of mixed, like five different types of uh, uh, flavors. I got them delivered about three or four days ago. Um, I'm nearly gone through the carton. I'm nearly, <laughs> I'm nearly through a whole carton because that's that's how easy it is to drink. It's very tasty. Oh, nice. Yeah, so you can get them. You, you know, they're they're there, um, but yeah, you know, I just decided to get them to deliver it, and they just dropped it off at the. They just sort of rang me when they arrived, and it's just like uh, you know, picking up a pizza. Basically, they just drop it off. And uh, Gips, is that a little back street in there? Is that? Uh, Gips Street is um, sort of heading as you sort of head towards the Story Bridge. So, you're going up towards the Story Bridge. Um, so it's and it's right near where. Uh, Chinatown area is uh, Cathedral Place, all that sort of area there. It's a block from Elephant. It's you know it's in that sort of vicinity, really. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's a good brewery. I think the the guys are quite good. I think they they've got some good experimental flavors. This one I'm drinking at the moment: guava and passion fruit sour. Ah, <laughs> oh, I love a good sour. So um, it's, it's only it's three point five percent, but it still tastes good. Still tastes good. You yeah, said so, Brewing Co. did some gin in, uh, gin infused sour, a tropical sour. That was quite interesting. Which one was that? Uh, Newstead Brewing Co. Yeah, it was, yeah. I think it was um, Juniper Juice was the yeah. name of the. Very refreshing. Nice change. It's quite a lot of good. The only thing is, um, you know, uh, there's, there's certainly a lot of good, uh, you know, craft brewing places around there. And I, I do like, you know, Soapbox, easy to drink. Those other two ones, I'm a big fan of Green Beacon, a big fan of Newstead. I don't, I don't mind um, some of the other classics from Byron Bay. Um, Stonewood is, is quite nice. Uh, Burley, a good in their own way. They've got that carb-free beer, which you got to get, you got to acquire the taste a bit. Um, so yeah, they're the ones that I like. I mean, any other, any other beers that we're missing there? Anything else? I think that's. Oh, I think if for people in Brisbane, I think, um, I think range. Brewing is quite interesting. Um, that's a little one in Newstead as well. Um, have, you, have you had felons? Have you tasted their stuff? Felons is down near Howard Smith Wharves. That's that. I think that's really good for the experience of just going out and being there uh, yeah. in the area. Yeah. So it's a massive place, and you know, um, still taste what I had there, I did like. Mm. Pardon? I did like it too. Yeah, and it's a great spot. You know. Uh, Howard Smith Hall. So, looking forward to going back there when it's open. And, um, and across the across the bridge, just as you go across the bridge to the other side to Kangaroo Point, there's one there called Sea Legs. Have you ever had been to that? Have you had any of that? No, one? no, I haven't heard of that. That's one to add to the list. Sea Legs is yeah. We we actually we went there with a couple of mates. Probably about a would have been nearly a year ago, I think. Nearly a year ago, and yeah, some some good craft brew there as well. So there's so many places and so many so many good choices when it comes to beer, man. I tell you, we we're sport for choice here in Brisbane, we really are. Yeah, I actually think um, some Brisbane has some of the best beers. I think going, period. Mm. Um, oh, along with uh, I do love Asahi as well. So I love a good Japanese mm. beer, mm. as as with Japanese whiskey as well. Japanese, so yeah, Japanese beer, I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan. Uh, the sahi, I like the sahi. You, you, you've been over to Tokyo, you know what it's like. You can just um, get an asahi out of a vending machine, basically, can't you? <laughs> oh, yeah, and they have so many kinds. <laughs> so many kinds. And, you know, if you know that your restaurant's sponsored by asahi, you, you can get a, a nice, frosty, tall beer. Very cheap. Mm, love man. Japan. Yeah, Japan. I mean, I'll tell you what, we're living in an interesting world now, man. We don't know when 
we're going to be able to travel overseas. It's it's so up in the air right now. You, you just don't know when the next time you're going to be able to do that. Um, how long do you reckon until we can travel oh, overseas? What's your prediction? That, oh, that's really difficult because, you know, depending on how things go, who knows if there's going to be any um, relaxing of any restrictions anytime soon. You, I assume that what we've got now is going to stay for at least, you know, two months to three months, depending. But least, I think overseas yeah. travel really, it might be done and dusted for this year. Quite possibly, man. Quite possibly. It's an interesting yeah, we, world. We did have plans of going maybe around September, like we were thinking maybe take Leo to um, Singapore in September, but yeah, it might have to be September next year. But, um, you know, thankfully, a lot of the countries we're thinking of going to are doing really well at, ha at managing the situation. Like that'd be, we love Hong Kong as well. Yeah, and Hong Kong have done really well, man. Their stats... Their stats have been very impressive, considering how big, how many people live there, and mm. and uh, how crowded that place can get. Taiwan as well, very good because they're quite comparable in total population to us, but of course a lot smaller country and so close to China. And I think they've got uh, at last count I saw less than five hundred cases or something. So that was, you know, considering the amount of time. Um, they're managing that really well. Mm. I think I think both Australia, I think Australia have done a pretty good job overall, or maybe we've been a bit lucky as well, perhaps. But maybe we, are, we, think, are, well, we are we are the lucky country when it comes to that. I think we kind of got to where we needed to be. Maybe it took about a fortnight or three weeks longer than expected in terms of restrictions, but um, and the natural sort of distance we have sort of helps that. I think. Our cities are just a, not as as crowded as you know many overseas. When you think of, you know, we only have really certain pockets that are comparable. You know, yourself when you travel, you know, maybe only one or two parts of Brisbane is anything like um, a major city overseas. Like maybe Sydney has parts that you think, oh yeah, this is a lot of people here. This is a bit like, mm. you know, a part of Tokyo or something. But um, we do have that natural distance, which I think really really has helped so where you live at the moment do you, do you sort of do you go out for coffee in the morning ever at, at the moment in in lockdown or do you go out to get pick up to get uh, uh pick up coffee or anything like that maybe once every two days at the moment um, okay. yep. i'd always go and stop at wolf coffee on my way to work um so that's one thing i'm missing because yeah they, they've got fantastic coffee where's but, that uh, Wolf. Wolf, where's that? Uh, that's at um, Hendra, actually. It's uh, or it could be Nunda. Um, it's on Gurla Road. They yep. they really do have yeah, wonderful Hendra, yep. coffee. I think they're still open. Yeah, at the moment. So the on on occasion, I'll, if we go out on the weekend or something, that might be just one place I'd, I'd think of going. Mm. Um, because that's one one of the things you miss is the morning coffee, etc. So you know, if I have a walk before work, which is you know a good thing to do, I'll go downstairs and usually get get something. Yeah, sort of with, with your coffee at the moment. You sort of what what milks are you having? Do you have anything special like almond milk, macadamia milk, or just normal milk? Ah, oh, um, <laughs> I with what the. Uh, we have Nespresso at home, so with that, I, I probably just have um, like a skim or trim or whatever. Mm, but yeah. um, a shop coffee, I always go full cream. I'm not one for um, almond milk or that kind of stuff. Um, I think I'm, I'm getting used to that sort of stuff now. I enjoy it. It's um, a little bit less ca uh, carbs than normal milk. That's And I'm starting to get the taste to that sort of thing, so it's quite nice. I couldn't quite get the taste. I did try it. But I just couldn't quite get there. I hate soy milk, but I don't mind those. I don't mind macadamia milk. So that's I certainly have that again. Um, yeah. So, mate, we've actually probably been chatting for about more than three quarters of an hour. I think, believe it or not. 
but it's been good to catch up with my friend, man. It's it's been a while since we spoke. It's uh, but we try to catch up every every couple of months if we can. Um, obviously, we can't do it face to face at the moment, really, in in a, in a proper way. So, um, I think it's been great. That thanks for thanks for coming and catching up on on the uh, on the Zoom. Cheers, mate. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. So that's uh, Dan. Any final words? Anything else? Anything final you wanted to add? I guess uh, if we, if this is a bit of a work from home edition, <laughs> just thinking, just thinking about some of the nice things to reflect on. Um, you know, the way our workplace has been run during this has been really good. So the workplace culture of people and and you know staying connected using like Zoom and and teams to to keep up it's really great so that's you know part of this is you know as well chatting to you Mm. i think that's what people are going to need to do more of get used to and really embrace you know in the next six months yeah yeah so you know people should you know have zoom dinners board games via zoom or whatever or or, uh, and just um you know enjoy those little simple things and then you know keep in touch until we we can see each other properly yeah man and what about lastly anything on tv any any sort of netflix or movies that you sort of watched in the last few weeks that you recommend oh netflix oh there's so many good things if if anybody gets a chance to watch the hundred i love that show it's probably it's probably five seasons waiting for you there but uh is it called the hundred the hundred yeah the hundred um, it's quite brutal, not quite as brutal as, as Game of Thrones, but um, I loved it. Um, mm. Just really, uh, the new season of the Umbrella Academy, looking forward to that. Uh, I'm a bit of a DC guy, so I, I, I didn't mind Titans as well. And um, I would like to try D- Disney Plus to see The Mandalorian. Uh, I hear good thing, good things about that show. And you know, who doesn't love Star Wars? Um, mm. But you know, you got to have a bit of you know cheesiness. So occasionally, I do. We do partake in Riverdale. So if anybody, um, the first season of Riverdale, everybody should watch it. That was absolutely fantastic. You know, you can probably dispense with a lot of shows after two or three years sometimes, you know, when they get make shows a little more complicated and, you know, have to make 20 episodes, you know, to me, they're not as good. But if you watch that show, the first season is just excellent. Cool, man. I better let you go, mate. I'll let you get back to back to your life there. Cheers, <laughs> mate. But it's been great to catch up with you, man. And uh, cheers for that, eh? Cheers and hope to see you soon. Likewise, mate. Thanks. And uh, we'll we'll keep chatting and uh, hopefully we can catch up in the next couple of months, man. Take care, man. See you too. Bye. Bye.